Pastor Rick, glad you're with me today. I love the text we're going to go back to, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which basically says, God wants to make you a blessed person. Blessed are those who hunger, happier people who hunger, who have a passion for life. They're hungry people. Hunger for the right thing, though. They're not just hungry for anything. And he says once they get to that place of pursuing the right thing, they'll end up being full, filled. I love it. It's a great text, great message about fulfillment in life, and all of us want that. This sermon will help you with that. Enjoy the message. I'll come back and pray for you at the end, so stay right there. Enjoy. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. Today, we talk about being happy and this big word that's used in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, called fulfilled. It, it's really, the word is really filled. Let me read the verse for you. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, we've been on this journey. We've been talking about what it means to be a person who is uh, hungry and who is on the right path and who is blessed. And what does, that, what does that look like? And in these sermons, my goal has been to help you understand the truth about happiness, the truth about being blessed. What does being blessed look like? And each week I've taken on a, a, a specific question. You know, I ask you questions like, what do you really want? That's the first sermon, right? What is it that you really want? Then second question, what are you really hungry for? And then thirdly, what do you want to do this right? What are the right things you want to do? And, and, and I believe that there are moments when you are doing what's right because you want God's best in your life. But there are times, if you're not careful, that you're, you're hungrier to succeed than you are to do what's right. We talked about that the last time we were together. The importance of being hungry for righteousness, for the right thing. Not just anything, the right thing. You can, you can succeed in business, but the wrong way. The goal is to succeed in business the right way. So what is the right way? What is the wrong way? Now I want you to turn with me to another part of this because the promise in Matthew 5 and 6 is if you, if you are hungry for what's right, you'll be filled. The greatest joy in life is feeling like, man, I've, 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 I'm at that place. There's a great verse that says, you know, that when a person has hope and it's deferred or put off, that they are sick, they end up sick. But then the Bible says, but when you, when you get there, when you get to that place of, of, that you dream, it's like a tree of life. That, that is a powerful promise in Scripture. And that's sort of what he says here in Matthew 5 and 6. If you do what's right, Jesus, out of his own mouth, said you'll be filled. Now, I, I want to just take you on a journey for a minute to Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, and I want to read all of the Beatitudes that we've been focused on. I haven't exhausted them. I haven't talked about all. I focused really on verse 5 only, um, and I, 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 verse 6 rather, I'm sorry. And I, but I want to go back and read them for you. And the reason I want to do that is because I think they all answer this big question, what in the world can make you happy? What is it that can make you a satisfied person? And Jesus it, 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 sitting outside with these guys just talking made this profound, incredible declaration. He basically said, listen, if you do this, these seven things, these seven approaches will make your life more satisfying. And I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to read through them. 
and come back and talk about them. First, he said this. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Verse, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, those are seven verses that teach seven incredible principles. And these are what I call seven approaches to life that make life more satisfying. The first one is this. If you're the kind of person who, who understands your own poverty, you understand what you don't have, not what you do have, what you don't have. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They understand their lack. They come to life with that approach. I know I'm not perfect. They're going to be happy people. The word blessed means happy. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who understand the true nature of their condition. This is not about feeling bad about yourself, just being honest. Secondly, he says, blessed are those who, watch this, I love this, verse, um, verse three, four rather. He said, blessed uh, are those, in verse four, who mourn. You're going to be a happier person if you grieve over things that grieve God. If you have a capacity to mourn, things we've seen in the news, the tragic, um, oh, oh my God, these tragic shootings, the wars that we've seen, all the things that we've seen, the diseases, the outbreaks, the, uh, the horrible uh, pandemic challenge that we faced as a country and a world. All of those moments grieve God. And do you have the same capacity? You're not going to be happy if you don't grieve, he says, over the things that grieve God. Blessed are those who grieve over the things that grieve God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I think mourning is a healthy thing. There, there are some things that should really make you sad. They should really cause you to pause and say, man, man, that's not good. Some things we see in our politics, some things we see in our churches, in our communities, in our families, we should grieve over. And he says, happy people have an element of grief. Now, those are two fascinating things because the first one sounds kind of negative, right? You mean, you mean to tell me if I, if I focus on what my, my issues, my poverty, my lack, my imperfections, I'll be happy? Yeah, because that's a good place to, to be honest. You're going to be happier if you focus on the, the, the issues in the world that grieve God. True happiness doesn't come from ignoring it. It's embracing the grief, crying with people, praying with people. Thirdly, he says, blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Inherit the earth, rather. There's something about being a teachable person, a meek person, a person who is able to be instructed. Happier are the people, blessed are the people who are teachable. And then number, number uh, verse, four, verse six, blessed are the hungry, which you exhausted this quite a bit with you. We've talked about the importance of having a driven spirit, a driving heart passion for life. Blessed are the hungry and the ambitious. God is not against ambition. God is not against you having a passion or a dream for life. There's something about you saying, I want, I want to achieve. I want to go someplace. He said, those are happy people. Then he says this, blessed are the genuine are the pure in heart. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Blessed are the merciful. Ah, go back a little bit, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, you're, just, you're just kind to other people. You understand that 
no one's perfect. Those people who are merciful to others are going to be happier people, not people who are judgmental and mean. And then he says, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There's something about being genuine that makes life better for you. And then he closes with this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. People that are peacemakers are going to be happier than people who are not. So look at yourself for a minute and ask yourself the question, am I a peacemaker? Am I genuine? Am I merciful? Am I hungry? Am I teachable? Am I a person who grieves with God, grieves with God? Things that grieve God grieve me. Am I the person who lives in a place where I understand my own lack? I'm not just walking around like I'm perfect and I know everything. There's something about living with that humble awareness that leads to happiness. These are approaches to life that he says leads to happiness. Now, I want to say that's not what I always believed. As a matter of fact, generally in the, in the um, self-help books and the growth books on how to improve your life, some of these elements are taught, but Jesus had just a, he just had this simple way of looking at it. And I, I think his way is better than the way of the world. And I want to give you the common things that I thought before would bring me happiness and satisfaction. And I thought if I just did these seven, these five things rather, that my life would be incredibly better. Now, I love what's this conversation. I'm going to switch text for a minute to Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Because in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, there's this family argument that happens that spills out into, into a conversation with Jesus. Two brothers are talking, and they're talking about their inheritance, and they're debating about, you know, um, them getting their fair share. And so somehow they blurt out, one blurts out, hey, Jesus, hey, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. And Jesus responds to this conversation in a way that's really unique because he makes a statement that I live by. Here's what he said. This is in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said to them, to the guys that, read, that blurted out, you read the rest of it on your own. Chapter 12, he, he just, he's, he's up talking and these guys jump in and say, hey, Jesus. And, and Jesus responds to them when, they're, when they ask him to resolve their family conflict. He says these words, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. This was a greed debate. One wanted his brother to share his inheritance. And the first thing Jesus says to the two guys is, listen, be careful of greed. For a man's life does not consist, this is my favorite part, in the abundance of his possessions. You are lied to, I've been lied to, I've been told, if I got to be rich and famous, if I had a certain size church, if I had a certain size income, if I lived in a certain size house, if I had a certain kind of income, that somehow that alone would make me happy. If I had a pretty girl on my arm, you know, okay. You know what I'm saying? That, that somehow that the lie of the Playboy Mansion, if you are familiar with that, if you're not, don't worry about it. But back in the day, I, I, that's where fun is, over there with the women and the girls, for guys, you know. For women, it's finding this rich guy who comes in and swoops in with money, and he saves me and lifts me, lifts me out of poverty, and I can shop all I want to. That is not true. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. I, you can get all of that in abundance and still not be happy. You can get all of that. You can make millions of dollars and still be an unhappy person. So I'm going to give you a list of five things that I made, things that I, I thought would <laughs> satisfy me. Uh, and you might find these fascinating. 
economic status, I thought that would do it. If I had the money, if I just got to that $10 an hour range, there was a time in my life I thought $10 an hour was rich. Because when I first started working, I was making a couple of bucks an hour. I couldn't imagine $10 an hour. I didn't know anybody that made $10 an hour. Now that's hilarious, but that's what I thought. Economic status is nice. It's nice to make money. It's nice to get paid. I am not against that at all. Matter of fact, I'm a fan of it. But I understand that it alone does not make my life abundant and wonderful. It will not alone satisfy me. You can pay me any salary you want. There are, you remove some of my problems, create other problems, by the way. But by and large, to think that that alone does it is a mistake. Secondly, romantic status. If I had the right romantic experience, the right romantic person, that girl, in my case, oh, yeah, that, that one right there. You know, the one, and you know, you fantasize if you're not careful about all these different, you know, short one, heavy one, a cute one, a light one, a brown skin, a dark skin, or whatever, light eyes, you know, hair flowing. All your fantasies will disappear once you cross the bridge. Trust me. I don't care who you get. I don't care how fine she is, how handsome he is. I don't care what that person looks like. I don't care if they got a deep voice. I don't care what they got. It, can, it doesn't matter. When you get past first base, second, third base, here's what's going to happen. You're dealing with a person. Romantic status. Some of you single people, if I was just married, if I was just a married person, my life would change because I'm married. No, it wouldn't. Not necessarily. I love my wife. 40 plus years of marriage, I'm telling you, 41 plus. I'm, hey, hey, I, no, look, you're looking at somebody that's smitten for real. No joke. I'm, I'm telling you now, I love the girl. She's everything I wanted. I mean, there's on my list checklist, I got a few extra things I didn't ask for that came on the list. But let me just say, the list was pretty impressive. And I can say, honestly, that, yeah, she's wonderful. But she can't, she, my romantic status doesn't by itself fulfill me. Are you trying to say you're not happy with Diane? I didn't say that. I said to you that romantic status doesn't fix everything. Neither does economic status. Thirdly, social status. I thought if I had some, some great title or some great label or whatever, no. No, status doesn't do it. I know some people with great status, and they're just as depressed as you can be. Status alone, hear my statement, status alone is, does not make you happy. Fourthly, physical status. If I look a certain way, you know, we go through this physical thing. I, man, let me tell you, it's always a fight, you know. All right, let's suck it in. Let's Come on, that's the, how we looking today, you know. <laughs> it's, let me tell you, let me tell you, you want to be humble, stand in the mirror with nothing on. It is humble you right on down to the ground. Because you can see stuff ain't quite right. You know, toe little crooked, something ain't perfect. So you dream of straight toes. I just had toes that was, because yours kind of, they kind of, and some of y'all, they'd be doing all kind of things, go all kind of ways, you know, look back and talk to you and everything. But at the end of the day, them the only toes you got. There are no spares. And so you dream of physical status, and you hate people that are perfect looking. Just look perfect. You know, some of you women, you have to really work on your hair, and then there's other women that just go bam out and it's in place, makes you sick. I know, I understand. Some guys are just handsome. Don't you just hate them? They just handsome. Just look, they look good on the left and the right. Now, most people, you have a good side, so you try and get the good side. I tell the camera people, 
get the good side, you know, or, or stop, okay? You know, <laughs> or edit, edit that out, you know? Oh, man, you have to, whoo, it's a fight. But you, you fantasize, if I could just lose 30 pounds or if I could just gain, I, for a season in my life, I wanted to gain because I was so thin. Oh, my God. I mean, when I first started passing, I was 27 in the waist. It was 26. Ooh, man, pants falling down. I was ooh, real thin. You know, so now, what are you now? None of your business. You're asking questions. You should focus on the sermon. Okay? 36 on. 34, 36, no, truth is truth, 36-ish, 36-ish, 37, 38 on a bad day, you ain't eating, you eat the wrong stuff, boy, boy, you got to watch it, let me see, check myself out there, how am I looking, I don't know, that's good enough, point is, I understand the pain, and I'm, you know, my weight's good, but Bob, we got to keep watching it, and so, all of us dream of physical perfection, right? And you go to the beach and you see those people walking around with their shirts off, strutting around like, okay, yeah, I'm looking good. And you just, you know, want to hate them all. No, you don't. Okay, you're better than that. But point, the point is, you have this dream of physical status. And then here's the next one. Next one, spiritual status. You're strong in the Lord. You know, if you're in certain environments, it's all about being used of God and spiritually in tune and all that. These are the things you think, but here's what Jesus said. Life does not consist in the abundance of any of these. Here's what I found does fulfill me. And this is interesting because I've had all those things. I've had some of all of those five things. I can probably list some really great moments where I felt really good about all five. But here's what's interesting. What I, what I found to be the most fulfilling was simpler than that. And I, these are things that, that I ended up making me happy. Number one, self-confidence. You want to know something that really makes my life better? It's believing in me. I know you want me to say something spiritual like believing in God. I understand that and I do, you know, love God with all my heart. But I love the fact that, that the, God, God linked my treatment of myself to a lot of things. For example, if you notice this or not, it says, love the Lord, Matthew 22, 37, they're about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, right? Then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That my ability to love other people starts with a model of how I love me. So loving me is important. So if I can prioritize this, it go like this, love God first, love yourself second, love people third. And love people the way you love yourself. Said same thing he said to husbands. He says, husbands, love your wife the way you love yourself. So you got to love yourself first. That's the model you use to love your wife. There's nothing like being clear about who you are. And I'm telling you, one of the things that make my life the most fulfilling is confidence, not arrogance, confidence, self-confidence, believing in me, feeling good about me, not having to apologize to myself. That some of the things that I do and don't do is tied to my desire to not have to apologize to myself. I want to be on time because I feel bad when I'm late. So I work on being on time. Secondly, life balance. When your life's out of balance, everything is running at you at the same time, you don't feel good about yourself. You know, the house is a mess, the kids are running around, everything's everywhere, your bills are late, uh, you're physically unfit, just all that 
kind of your life's just not balanced and there's no, no there's no hope of balance in the future. Thirdly, true relationships. I found that I get more out of that. And I mean, I have some really good friends. I talked to one just a few minutes ago. I just just, hey, how you doing? It's great. I love I love my friendships. I have a lot of them and I, I work on building and nurturing those friendships. And then fourthly, time balance. I, I think that some people live on the edge of exhaustion. They're always tired. They're always frustrated. They're always in some place. And they're always uh, late. And they're always under pressure to finish something by a certain deadline. I, I, I think time balance makes things better. And then number five, spiritual balance. You know, I, I don't, I don't like, um, I don't like not being right with God. You know, the Beatitudes is, 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 is a call for me to align myself with the way he thinks that those are his kingdom attitudes. He cares about the poor. He cares about peacemaking. He cares about those who are, who are, who are grieving. I need to align myself with that. And as I spiritually align myself with those things, my life's better. I'm more satisfied. Living on some island thinking only about me is not going to work. Living on some island where it's just me and Ricky and I don't care about anybody else, that's not going to be fulfilling. I can get a big house and be in it by myself, but if I never go care about your house, I never care about you. And I really believe that one of the tragedies that we've fallen into is, and I want to take a big leap here for a minute, churches have become very selfish in many ways sometimes. And we only care about us and we're not really thinking about people. And my concern is God help us to find a way to have the heart of God and care about people. Families are becoming selfish. You're not thinking about the world around you, the neighbors, the kids you raise go out into the world and cause havoc sometimes because you only thought about you. If you're not careful, it's all about you. And I believe the spiritual power of transformation, when God transforms your life, you don't just think about you. Remember, you love God. You love yourself, but you also love your neighbor. And that's what we want. That's the most satisfying. It's when I see people and I'm able to help them, and I'm able to bring joy to their life, that my life feels better. I'll never be happy only thinking about me. America will never be a blessed nation only thinking about itself. No country will ever be blessed only thinking about itself. There are a lot of things that I look around and I see a spirit of selfishness. Self-concern is good. Caring about me is good, but not caring about you is not good. So if I want to be happy, I need to look at the Beatitudes and align myself with that mindset and watch my life change. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you to find true satisfaction. And it gets far beyond just thinking about yourself. Look at who you give to. Look at where you serve. Look at where you spend time. And ask yourself the question, is my life more about me or about the world around me? Don't forget yourself, but don't forget the world around you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together. I pray that we would hear what you said. I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that your spirit would move in us today and bring about an awareness of our bigger vision and the bigger call of God upon us. We got to care about ourselves. We have to care about those who are hurt and broken. 
and we have to align our attitudes with God so that we can have God's best. And Lord, I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we're going to take a turn and talk to young people. We're going to have some Q&A next week. Great questions that are amazing. You don't want to miss. But I want to talk about the truth about young hunger. Young people have a hunger that's really different. When you get to be 64 like me, people stop asking you what you're going to be when you grow up. But when you're young, <laughs> there's that hunger, man. I tell you, it's infectious. That's why you need to always be around young people. They keep you driven and pushed. What is the balance, the truth about the young and, and the hungry? Those, that passionate thing we see in our world where young people have that glow. What is it that can really make that happen? I want to take you on a journey and close out our series next week. And I want to close with some powerful points about youth and also some great questions that youth ask that you don't want to miss. That's all next week. So thank you for being with me today. I'm going to close with this final thought. If you've never given your life to Christ and you've been hearing me talk about hunger today, I hope that you'd open your heart to hunger and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Let me tell you, right where you are, right where you are, God can change your life, but it's up to you to make that decision. So I'm going to pray one final prayer just for you. Father, I pray for those who don't know you, who want to start a walk with God. Let this be that transforming moment where they will never be the same. And we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray you were blessed by today's message. You know, I love the part where we talk about the things that I thought would bring fulfillment to my life. Romantic accomplishments. I thought economic accomplishments and maybe status. But what I learned was none of those things bring everything I thought it would bring. Life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. Jesus said, if you hunger for what's right, I'll get you to a place of happiness. I love the Beatitudes because it gives you this great list of new things to dream about, care about people who are poor in spirit, care about being a peacemaker. Those things bring greater fulfillment. Let me pray for you, because that's what I want to see God do in your life. Father, let this be a transforming moment of happiness and joy. Lift their spirits, lift their minds, give them a vision beyond what they currently see. And I pray for you to help them break through this place they're in now and find joy and fulfillment, the one that you desire for them, in Jesus' name. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Thank you for being with me today. If the message blessed you, link it and send it to a friend. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.